You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. I'm going to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to go into two different places today. I'm also going to try and be mindful of time, um, and so I'm starting my timer again. We're continuing our series, Truths to Live By. Remember, truth is a, a proposition based on a principle that serves as the foundation, the bedrock for a system of belief, chain of reasoning, and moral behavior. And somewhere along the line, even within the church, people have said, morality has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I beg to differ because Jesus says in him will flow rivers of living water. The apostle Paul says that we're being conformed to the image of Christ, growing to his full stature, to grow in spiritual maturity. Last time I checked, As we read the word, we see Jesus' character and the integrity of the fullness of God being displayed for the whole world to see, living a holy and upright life. And so today's title is this, Keep Good Company. Keep Good Company. We're not going to begin in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to get there, but I'd like to start in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus, and we've already established, you know, a lot of things about um, the place of Ephesus and what was occurring uh, in the township, if you will, worship of all kinds of gods and practices, very different from the people of God, obviously. And so Paul writes this letter, and he says in Ephesians 2.17, we should have this on the screen in just a moment, he came and proclaim the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Think about that for a moment, that if you believe in Jesus, you are members of God's family. You're not on the outs. You're in the inner circle. He says in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. In him, you're also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Ephesians 2, in verse 10, it says, For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And he prepared that for you in advance. And now he's saying, make no mistake that Jesus came to proclaim peace to you, that if you believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that you are part of the family of God, and no one can take that from you. 
but it's more so than just this salvation clause that you're saved and forgiven of your sins. You're just getting in the starting blocks, if you will. You're being built. You're growing into he who is Christ. This is something I have to admit, as I get older, I'm having a greater understanding of this passage, of growing in maturity in the Lord. Not a superficial faith, but a firm, rock-hard faith that can stand the gale winds in these last days. Again, verse 22, in him you're being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. And so a few key words that we see here, we see in him, in Christ, this is happening. It says that we're members together of God's household, another key words. And it says that we're experiencing growth. So think about this, together in Christ, you and I are experiencing this growth because we're partnering with him by the power of his spirit. So essentially, we're a great building project. We're a part of a holy foundation. You're being built, rooted, established in Jesus Christ. And like any proper structure, it takes time to be built. And it matters what the foundation is made of. It's essential. Has anyone here built your own house? I thought there might be one. Okay. Uh, Megan and I, um, we've, we haven't built the house with our own two hands, but we've had a few places built. And we would always go and check out the job site and see what the crews are doing. And the foundation is so essential because you've seen YouTube clips that if you try and cut corners and you don't have the structure up as it should be, it comes tumbling down. You ever seen some houses, even two stories, all the framing's up and you think, wow, they're doing a really great job. They're on their way. And then one day the winds come and boom, and knocks that house down. And I'm sure I could say to Paulo, what causes that, Paulo? What corners have they cut? You'd probably give me a great answer. I have no clue. But when it comes to the scriptures, it's very clear that if anyone lays a foundation on anything other than what the apostles and prophets established, that was Christ and he crucified, trust in any other God is foolishness. You've, you've started your life on unstable ground. And he's reminding us that as we begin, as we express our faith in Jesus, there's this partnership of growth and spiritual growth. How many of you like to grow? I tried to raise my hand. I actually hurt myself <laughs> Friday, Friday night. A guy fell on me and I like bruised my ribs and did something on my shoulder, but I feel good. I feel good. But growing can be a difficult thing. There's some things where we grow, you know, extensively and it, maybe it's, Easier in some respects. In other areas, maybe not so much. Sometimes growth takes time. And Paul and all the, the writers, of the, especially in the New Testament, they're not oblivious of that. They're not saying, look, what's, what's wrong with you? How come you're not getting your, your act together and growing fa much faster? But he's reminding us this growing, and not only is a part of being in relationship with Jesus, but it takes time as we yield to him. What I appreciate about Ephesians in the letter, in chapter one, it says that we are predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of his will. 
that we would bring praise and glory to God. Think about it. If you're here today, you believe in Jesus. He desires for you to walk in the destiny prepared for you today. To lift up his name above every other name. That's another reason why we're called hope for today. There is hope for you today to live in today for Jesus. Yesterday is long and gone. We're living for today. And when you look at a job site, you look at a, a house that's going up, we see that there's many trades involved. Not all of them can be plumbers because the house wouldn't be finished. We have electricians and, and the, the framers and the roofers and, and the HVAC folk. And I don't know all the trades. I'm trying, Paula. I'm doing my best. There's all these different offices involved in raising and completing the structure. And I love how Paul is emphasizing again that the foundation of Christ and the foundation is going up by the prompting and leading the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't stop there. And it just as on a job site where there's different trade offices involved, the church is no different because as representatives of the body of Christ brought, brought together in common purpose, he gives each one of us different offices. Different trades, if you will, to operate according to his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you believe that today? Let's look at Ephesians uh, 1 verse 9. you got to love this. It stirs you up. We could probably go back into worship just after this. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ. As a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we've also received inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Amen? Praise to his glory. Not our glory, not about raising the roof of what we want to do. And I believe the churches that are blessed are the ones who keep this in their hearts. Many even begin well, but then get off track when pride enters the equation and it becomes about them and what they want to build rather than what Christ has called you to build. And this is something that has really been deposited within my heart and, I, and the check by the Holy Spirit that hope for today needs to remain in this foundation and I'm comfortable with us growing even slow and steady rather than bursting at the seams for the wrong reasons. And so I said we all serve in different offices and, and ways that we minister. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4 now. Verse 11, it says this. He gave himself, this is Christ, out of himself some to be apostles, some prophets. This is Ephesians 4, verse 11. Some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers. I'm going to read it again. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. There's the building. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Christfulness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blow around by every wind of teaching, 
by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. And so we see here the apostle Paul has laid it out not only because you believe in Christ, you've been predestined according to the plan of him who's going to work everything out in conformity with his will. He's given you a task. He's given each of us a purpose by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit that we would operate in these offices in Love, speaking the truth in love. But a lot of times we exchange this growing maturity into the fullness and stature of Christ and prefer perhaps growing the stature and maturity of the culture of the world and how the world says the church should behave, how the world says leaders and those in ministry should behave. And that's something I don't have the stomach for. I have to admit, in the flesh, if I can even say it that way, I am tempted to want to go along with those voices because it's easier. It's easier. But here we're shown the purpose of these different ministries. The work of the ministry is to build up the body. The body's to be healthy, living, and active, not ripe with disease. The disease is being tossed by the waves and cunning teaching that says you can be lax in different areas because of the grace of God. You know, you can figure out another day because of the grace of God. And at the end of the day, I do have to insist and emphasize that when you're in Christ, you believe in him, you are firm and secure in his hand. Again, we're, we're not talking about salvation. The salvation equation is assured. We're talking about what do you do here and now because of the tremendous forgiveness, the tremendous love that you and I have both received. What now? What are you building? What are you giving your life to? And he's showing us here out of these different offices, the common purpose here is life transformation to grow into the full stature that is Jesus. And I mean, and it's quite the road ahead of us, quite the path to become like Jesus. You can say to me right now, and I would fully agree with you, Andrew, you do not reflect 100% Jesus. But I'm growing just like you. And as I continue to follow the promptings in the Holy Spirit, you know what's amazing? Growth continues to happen. Maturity, strength of character, and integrity like that of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. You know, as we desire to walk in the ways of the Lord, to be a spiritual dwelling place, place sorry, where God dwells by his spirit, we know that the, the voices of the enemy will be hard at work desiring for you to willfully engage oppressive thoughts and actions against God and his plan for your life. They want to set you off course. And so Paul tells those in Corinth, bad company corrupts good character. I mean, ask any psycholo uh, psychologist today. They'd say, you know, past behavior is an indicator of future behavior. And so rightfully so, as Paul says, as he's inspired by the, the Holy Spirit, he's saying, make no mistake, bad company corrupts good 
character. Be mindful of who you spend your time with. And so let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And that's why we've entitled the message today, Keep Good Company. If you want to grow a strong foundation, be part of a, a building that's being built together for the glory of God, you want to be part of the right team, the right tradespeople, if I can say it that way, people that are in it to win it for the glory of the Lord and not for themselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says this, and remember, this is the Apostle Paul. I face death every day. As surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for you, oh sorry, and as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, as I was pouring through this passage and referencing a few Bible scholars, they were all in agreement on a significant point. To that very statement, bad company corrupts good morals. There was a well-known poet, Greek poet at the time, named Meander, that actually had said, bad company kills off good habits. Bad company kills off good habits. And so the Apostle Paul rightfully, you know, understanding the crowd, understanding the audience in which he was writing to, used something that they were aware of and redeemed it and showed how it's still aligned with the word and the character of God. Bad company can corrupt good character. Just like, just like Satan in the Garden of Eden corrupted Adam and Eve. Those pervasive and deceptive thoughts. And so Paul, he speaks to this, this issue when really the people in Corinth, and we can really take this home, I really believe we can ingest this and apply it to ourselves, that the Corinthians were to be a counterpunch. They were to be a counterculture to the things of the world. Like Jesus said, to be in the world, but not of the world. But for some reason, the Corinthians were being more influenced by the people around them than, what, than by what they should have known. They should have known better. So he's reminding them of this very fact. Be mindful of the company you keep. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now you might be here and saying, well, wait a second, Pastor Andrew, context is important. It keeps referencing the resurrection. And that's true. Context is everything. Here we see that Paul is addressing those who are saying that the resurrection is not something that's going to happen or it's not a reality. If you're baptizing people or whether your loved one who is in Christ is gone and you want to be baptized because you want to spend eternity without them, people are going on and saying it's all worthless. It's all meaningless because there is no such thing as a resurrection, which is why Paul references we might as well just eat, eat and sleep and then tomorrow we die. 
people were being influenced by the voices around them. They were essentially saying to Paul and the believers, everything you're building is pointless. They're challenging the very foundation, the very bedrock of what they believe. And in some ways, the enemy was being successful. And at times, the enemy is successful in our own thought life, getting us to go off course and start to believe the voices of the enemy and those being used by the enemy, even in the church. Could you imagine, Paul, everything that he went through, all the suffering, as he said, fighting wild beasts. Now, this isn't out of a Harry Potter novel, okay, or The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's not talking about literal, you know, crazy-looking animals that are coming out of the, you know, the shadows and lurking in every corner and trying to devour Paul. He's actually saying the people there were like wild beasts, ravaging wolves, if you will, you know, just, just dripping and, and waiting to seek people out and devour them. And he was on their hit list also. In fact, even at the time, we know that Ephesus is part of uh, the Roman Empire. We had gladiators that were fighting and, 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 and battling to the death. It was complete chaos. It was just insane people go and just give their life. They, even many of them said, well, what's the point? There is no tomorrow. There is no life after this. And so we might as well drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. There are really those who didn't believe in the hope of the resurrection. And so Paul is reminding the people of this very foundation, the very essential aspect, how important it is because if Christ has not been raised, everything is meaningless. And I find this to be a very helpful reminder for us today. If we can wrap ourselves around the very hope of the resurrection, it's a strong foundation because then that means Christ not only lived, he died, but he also rose again and that he is coming back for those who look to him in faith. But if he's not, if we could truly believe that we've entered in a place of denying that he is the son of God and denying all the words that he spoke, when he says in John chapter 5, that anyone believes in me will not come under condemnation, but have passed from death to life. He's talking about not only your, your salvation, your eternal security, he's talking about the hope of the resurrection. And so Paul's reminding the people of this. It wasn't a waste of time. But this is something that they would have to learn how to navigate. And just like you and I, we have to learn how to navigate these voices because we're growing. You know, each week I get different calls and everyone's going through different circumstances and, and there's different voices. We're all growing. I'm growing. As people ask me questions, even some may even be founded or believed to be founded on Scripture, and then it challenges me to, to pour through the Word of God, to ask Holy Spirit, Lord, is this for us in you? As part of who you are in your character and identity, is this for us today? That's the type of question I ask myself when pondering over a question that someone may bring. If we think about it for a moment, like in Paul's day, the wild beasts here today desire to erode the essential tenets, beliefs, principles that you and I hold dear. The hope of the resurrection. Salvation by grace through faith. It's not by works, but by the very gift of God. 
This is part of the mission of the enemy. And so I believe as we looked at our first passage together today, that if we want to encounter continued growth in our life, it involves being willing and steadfast to cooperate with the Holy Spirit that's developing us into a dwelling place for God. And sometimes he creates, if I can say it, like a holy discontent to get our attention and get us back on path. Because each one of you, myself included, we have, if we can say it this way, according to scripture, an office, a ministry for us to carry out so the body can be built up. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets. And sometimes we can make it more confusing than it really is. But at the end of the day, apostle, apostolos means messenger or sent one with a message. In a way, we're all apostles because we're sending and declaring the goodness of God and drawing people to Jesus. But there's something about one who is specifically anointed for a specific task. Going to a specific region to bring the gospel. Like Paul and Timothy and Titus. And we look on the world stage, turn on YouTube, and we see people that start churches and assemblies. It appears out of nowhere. Some out of, you know, car garages, out of house meetings. I would be inclined to believe that they are operating in an area of apostleship. And then you have those prophets who are, the, the Bible shows us, are those who are declaring by holy and spirit taught words the good will and knowledge of God. Pastors caring for the assemblies of God is put within their care, teaching and shepherding the people. Teaching and pastoring is very similar. And I'm just giving very quick definitions. And then we have an evangelist. I think we all understand what an evangelist is, going out into our communities and drawing, leading people to Jesus. But at the end of the day, if we want to step into that office, if we want to step into that reality that God has for us, we need to tune out the negative voices, tune out the deceptions of the enemy, and say, Jesus, I want everything you have for me by the power of your Holy Spirit and to walk in what you've predestined for my life. Perhaps it is walking in the area of apostleship or in the area of the prophetic or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. If that's on your heart, if that's a prompting the Lord Jesus has given you, don't run from it. I remember at one point when I left my previous job, starting a church, and people have said to me, well, Angie, you're like an apostle. I didn't give much attention to that or titles, mind you, but it wasn't something where I was like 100% like, woohoo, because you knew it was going to be a challenge. And you would hear things along the way, and it, it would be a struggle. And in many sense, I can understand what the Apostle Paul's talking about with wild beasts. Because you wouldn't believe the conversations that I've had, even from beginning this church. You're thinking, where does this stuff come from? Well, it only comes from one place. The deceptive onslaught of the devil. And his ministering demons, fallen angels. If angels can fall, created in the very glory and presence of God. We who are created higher than the angels, yet still can fall. But thankfully, we have salvation in Jesus Christ. This is something it's hard to wrap our heads around, but look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. 
as we ask the Lord, is this for me, Holy Spirit? Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do you identify with this? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's like when the, the, you know, the team you know, scores a goal and you're like, yeah, and you're high-fiving people in the arena. Woo, right? For, for me, I'm, I'm trying to operate in a place where I'm as equally excited about this as I am at a sporting event. And you know what it dawned on me? I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize or make a story fit the sermon because I don't, I don't like that. I'm about genuine authenticity, Okay but I was at the Pittsburgh Penguins game over a month ago and it was quite an exhilarating game. My team ended up losing the game. Uh, I don't know how that even is possible, but they went out four nothing within the first three minutes. Now you can imagine when people score and the blow horns going off, everyone's like, yeah, right? And at one point I was like, this is what it's supposed to be like in the church. When someone comes to Jesus, it says the angels are praising. The elders are falling before the face of God in heaven. It's a 24-7 praise party. And I have to admit, in that moment, I love how God can use the things in our time and space for teachable moments. And I was like, God, forgive me for not being equally excited and moved by the moving of your Holy Spirit and people's lives. I really believe, church, if we can get behind this and move with the same enthusiasm by the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in these areas of different offices, we are gonna see the place transformed to the glory of God. I'm not just talking about numbers. I'm talking about people authentically coming to the reality of an encounter in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Unlike any other relationship out there, unlike any other relationship out there. And so I appreciate the assembly that's being built. Good company will help foster good habits just as bad company creates bad ones. What do you have for me, Holy Spirit? And as I think about these things and as I move to a place of transition here, I'm thankful in it all that you and I are saved by grace through faith. That as we intentionally align ourselves with the moving of the Holy Spirit, he's going to do the work that was promised and predestined for us. Enjoying and living our life for him. And so in this desire, in this devotion that I believe that we all have, it's so vitally important that as we continue on this path with hope for today, that we have the right partnerships, and if I can say affiliations, that we're heading along the same path to the glory of God. And within man's establishments and arrangements, um, no specific group has things all perfectly figured out. But I believe at the heart that what I'm about to share with you goes along with what we believe in the Lord and the next step for us as a fellowship. 
And as, as I'm about to share something that's been upon my heart and the leadership team's known for a matter of months, keep this in the back of your mind. As we look forward to the days ahead, we desire God's will over culture, observance of, of the word over the will of man, and spirit-empowered obedience to the good purpose of his will over self-will. But just as we read at the beginning passage, God is building a tremendous structure. The body of Christ is growing, moving, and shaping the world even in these last days. Do you believe that? We are stronger together when operating as designed. And so I wanna, I wanna thank first and foremost, I wanna thank um, Hope for Today, Keswick and, and Reverend Dr. Brian Vaughn. Um, they helped us begin. They were with us as we began this fellowship uh, back in April of 2021 and held our first service that same year on June 27th. Remarkable. I, I could never have guessed that that's how things were gonna roll out. It was all to the glory of God. And one phone call from a man, Pastor Brian, that I deeper respect said that, in other words, without saying, I believe the Lord would have me say to you, he was confirming prophetically what was already upon my heart, the Lord is calling you to plant a church. And you know where that is. And so Hope for Day Keswick operating as an independent church with a passion to reach the lost, coming out of the great commission that Jesus Christ walked with us in the beginning of this journey, the beginning of this, of this establishment of this work with the understanding that we would, as soon as possible, become self-sufficient and independent because they didn't have an operating charter of purpose to affiliate a bunch of churches under their umbrella. Are you tracking with me? And so with, with that, just last week, we heard from uh, the, the government, without making it too, you know, um, <laughs> about government things, um, but we received our full, not just our incorporation, but our full-fledged registration. We're able to, you know, receipt people on our own accord. And so for all intents and purposes, Keswick has done their job. They've sponsored us, helped us, and now it's time to take the next step because we believe in the five-fold ministry that we just read about. And so it's important for us to, to stretch our legs, if you will, in partnership with those who believe as we do. And so with a tremendous amount of prayer and deliberation by our leadership team with, with Brad Johnson and John Pierce, Mary Pierce, Graham Fife, Stephen Taylor, and even uh, Brian Vaughn as part of our elder leadership team. I am pleased here today on their behalf and as on behalf of Hope for Today uh, Church Norfolk that we are now officially recognized and affiliated with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Why the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada? Here's some really neat things. It's a fellowship of more than 1,100 churches across this nation. Over 3,500 credentialed pastors and workers. More importantly, and this is, this is out of all these incredible pieces and things, here is at the bedrock of the foundation. Their mission statement aligns with ours. It says to glorify God 
by making disciples everywhere, by proclaiming and practicing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. What did we just read about today? He's building us into a holy dwelling place for God. And this only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are to live and proclaim the gospel, not building our own kingdom, but his kingdom. And so, yeah, we had conversations. We asked the Lord, is this something for us? Do we remain independent? Or do we seek an affiliation? And there is something tremendously beneficial about having ongoing integrity and accountability as we move forward. And a part of that mission statement, our very own mission statement is this, to lead people towards a hope-filled, transformative relationship with Jesus Christ and to help them thrive in the relationship with Him through intentional discipleship and passionate outreach. Do you see how they align? Do you see how they're beautifully connected for today? So as you go through, and, and next Sunday is going to be our Vision Sunday, where I'm going to share all based in the foundation of the Word where we're heading as a church family. But what I appreciate about the POC, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, is they are bold and un- unapologetic about the Pentecostal distinctive of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for effective witness today. Operating the different offices and ministries today. That's why the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And so what I would encourage you to do, as I would think most of you would anyway, to go ahead and uh, when you leave here today and throughout the week, go to paoc.org and read all about it. Read what makes up the fiber of this fellowship that began in 1919. And I know the worship team's been uh, standing for a bit here but I wanted to just share a few neat benefits about this relationship. Outside of everything that I've already said, when you're part of a large local network of other churches in the fellowship, there's resources, there's networking that's happening, events, conferences that we can take advantage of and enjoy, professional services and all kinds of different resources. And so I'd ask for you with the the rest of the church family to continue to keep this in prayer. This is something that wasn't decided upon lightly or a decision that was made quickly. And that's what I appreciate about our leadership team. Tremendously, thank you, um, you know, Brad and and Graham and and John, I know you're watching online today and and Brian and Stephen and such. And mom, um, thank you for us walking together and what I believe are exciting next steps for our family. Isaiah was trained at uh, Master's College and Seminary, which is a Bible school of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. I also went to a Bible school that was within the same fellowship. And a few buddies now are serving on the district executive. So I know that we're in good hands as far as affiliation and partnership is concerned. And so I, want, I just, with all that, I want to say, if you have any questions, if you want to, you know, further answers and want to talk, you know, come see me after or pick up the phone, give me a call. I'd love to talk with you and, and, and discuss any of those questions you may have. But at this time, 
because we're part of the, the large church body, I want to invite you to, for a time of communion. And Claudia, go ahead and just uh, cancel that out, the music that's on there right now. We'll let Brad um, take over here. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Word of God tells us that we're part of one body. That by faith in Jesus Christ, we are members of his body. In faith. And so the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you in this moment to take this cracker, which represents the body of Christ, very symbolic, but remains true nonetheless, of Christ who broke his body on Calvary at Golgotha for you and I, so that we could have the forgiveness of sins, but to also participate in the divine nature, the purpose that he predestined for us before the beginning of time. Would you receive his broken body with me now? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you didn't hold back. You gave it all. In the same way, also, Lord Jesus took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you take in remembrance with me now? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood, that precious reminder to us, as your word says, without the shedding of your blood, there could be no forgiveness. For the wages of sin is death. But in you is declared the righteousness of God to all who have faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And in verse 27, the Apostle Paul says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is a tremendous reminder of what Christ everything that he went through for us. It's not something to be taken lightly. 
but a tremendous time of, of worship and praise, of thanks, of what he's accomplished. So many thousands of years ago at Calvary, reaching forward to today, today, hope for today. Would you take just a few moments in your, in your heart to thank him for what he's done? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you took our place. The chastisement was upon you. And that because of you, we not only have forgiveness, but we are declared holy and blameless in your sight. That when we stand on the day of judgment, that all accounts have been covered and accredited unto us righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.